Hello, and welcome to Confessions of a Grieving Mother by Emma's Footprints. Over the next half hour, we are going to be climbing in the trenches of grief. Tracy and I will be bringing you stories to give you a real look on what families go through after they experience a pregnancy or infant loss. Our goal is to help educate, support, and break the stigma around this topic. We're going to laugh and cry as we remember our babies. This is going to be real, raw, and vulnerable. So get your boots on. It's going to be messy. Good morning. Good morning. And welcome to another episode of Confessions of a Grooving Mother. I am Tracy Emma's mama. And I am Julie Gus's mom. And on the phone, we have Brooke. Hi, Brooke. Hi. Whose mama are you? I am Sloane's mom. Oh. Sloane. I love the I name. I love the name yes. Sloane. Mm-hmm. I want to know Thank where you. that came from mm-hmm. because I love so, it. So, um, yeah, we actually, um, so my husband's Irish Catholic, so we wanted an Irish name. And we had, picked, we had it narrowed down to three or four. And then when we found out Sloane was ill, we started looking at um name meetings and sloan means great warrior and so um, we knew that if she made it she was gonna have a tough fight so we wanted her to have a strong name so that's why we picked sloan i love that name okay it's so so pretty you have a drawl yes i'm from kentucky so um very strong southern (laughs) girl Love it. Where in Kentucky are you calling from? Um, we are from Lexington. Okay. Um, yes, yeah, so I ride in the heart of the bluegrass. Yes. The bluegrass. The state. bluegrass. Have you grown up there? It's so fun. We did. I grew up about 30 miles from here, and my husband grew up 30 miles in another direction. And I've lived a couple of different places, but Lexington called me home. It's early <laughs> college. And it's just ring, ring, ring. Most- <laughs> What's your husband's <laughs> name? Kevin. Um, when did you and Kevin meet each other? So we actually, Kevin is my second marriage. Um, it's I should really, really met each other. Um, we met each other in 2016. Okay. Yeah, and we got married um, on New Year's Eve of 2018. Oh, that's so fun. That's fun. Yes. That's a, a fun New wedding. Year's party wedding. Yeah. And um, what did it look like talking about growing your family? So I have um, two older children, Jackson and Embry, from a previous marriage that they're 15 and 11 now. And I was pretty sure I was done um, having kids, but meeting Kevin definitely changed all of that. So we, um, he was such a wonderful stepdad. And although when we were dating, you know, we had the talk of like, look, I'm not having any more kids. I'm getting close to 40. Mm -hmm. You know, this is beyond me. Um, (laughs) Just seeing him with the kids. You know, I, I really wanted to give him that experience. Yeah. And so um, we decided in March of 2021, uh, no, March of 2020, sorry, uh, COVID time, <laughs> we decided that uh, we were going to start IVF because we knew that we were going to have issues. And, and plus, with me being older, it was really our only option. So we started IVF and then the world shut down, which mm. led to lots of extra Heck. challenges going through that process. Yes. Yeah. Did he have other children from like any He does not know. Okay. So Sloan was his first. Aww. So um I come from the IVF world too and I know we did IVF in twenty twenty one. Yep. Yes. And and that was even um still icky, but I, I can't imagine what it was like back in twenty twenty. Mm-hmm. Yes, was... lots of going to things alone, yeah. lots of being creative about testing and yeah. um, sperm samples and yeah. not being able to use rooms. And like, we yeah. had to get very creative. Uh, it was 
kind of funny. We actually got a, I mean, not funny, but we got a IVF discount for yeah, doing it, good. for keeping going during COVID. Great. Because they were <laughs> like, we know this is going to be a messed up experience. Yeah. And because then things could be canceled if yes. you got COVID. Like that, mm-hmm. I remember that. Yeah. I think I spoke that into existence when we were doing it. I was like, listen, about that. if I get COVID, mm-hmm. like it, this is done. Everything, everything we've done off. is over. Like, yeah, we were big sticklers about COVID rules yeah. through IVF, and then obviously when I got pregnant, so it was yeah. the same. So we we ha- we were very careful uh, yeah. for a very long time because of that, and because there was so much unknown. Sure. So when did you guys um, receive the positive pregnancy test? So um, we did our transfer at the end of June of 2020, and um, I am a crazy person and started taking tests the next day. You yes. know, like it was <laughs> test out that test out that trigger right? shot. And like, yes, and you know, while taking pictures and changing the contrast and looking for every line possible. And so we did on day three, I got like the faintest of lying, which was super early, but I just knew in my heart we were pregnant. Mm-hmm. And so by day five, we had a strong positive um, and, you know, went through our betas. Everything was looking good. So uh, we knew in July of 2020 that we were expecting. That's so exciting. So what did the, what did your pregnancy look like? Were you yeah, so I felt great. I mean, I felt great. Other than being older, it definitely was harder um, this time. Um, I had never, you know, luckily I've been a woman that has not dealt with miscarriage and loss. So once, you know, we saw that initial heartbeat, I felt really confident that um, I had no context or really yeah. no understanding of, you know, women that have lost pregnancies past the first trimester. So Really, once we got to that point, I was sure everything was smooth sailing. So we announced, I think, in August, um, right at about the 10-week part that we were expecting. Everybody was so happy. You know, we really thought um, we thought everything was just going to go perfect and be easy. Did you find out that you were having a girl at any point in the pregnancy, or was it later on down the road? Yes. Early in the pregnancy? Yeah, so we... Um, I, at like our eight or nine week appointment is when things first started getting a little tricky. I thought God was just trying to teach me patience because um, after I got switched from the IVF clinic to the OBGYN, it was a new OB. And so she wanted to do all this blood work and my levels came back elevated for CMV, which um, is kind of a weird virus that can affect your pregnancy if you've had it close by to being pregnant. So we Hmm. had to do additional testing. And it took about two weeks for those results to come back. So I was just a mess, you know, like praying every day. Is this baby going to be okay? Researching everything you shouldn't. Two weeks later, the results come back. Oh, that was an old infection. Everything's fine. That was an old infection. So Yikes. I thought, <laughs> so I was like, great, perfect. So then a couple more weeks pass and we have our NT scan at 12 weeks. And at the NT scan, um, the Sloan did have a, a thickening of the nuchal fold. And, but not major. So I think, you know, they say normal, like it ranges from 2.0 to 2.5. They want it less than that. And Sloan was right at the upper end. So like 2.4. So the doctor was like, it's something we should watch. You know, I want to do genetic testing. Um, but, you know, we don't see any other, you know, signs of um, any other like chromosomal abnormalities. So can you Let's, speak you know, a little bit? We we had a podcast this morning and the mom yeah. mentioned the nuchal fold. And I was like, huh, 
Is that the cord? Is that a part, a spot on the cord? Is that like the back of it the is neck? The, it is the back of the neck. Okay. So it's the skin on the back of the neck. And a thickening of that can show, can be a potential indicator of abnormalities. Not okay. always, but it, it, uh, it triggers Just a marker. them to do further yeah. testing. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So we went through then the full like genetic array of testing. So again, and it, that takes about two weeks to come back. So again, I'm just like for two weeks, like, mm. please let this baby be okay. Yeah. So through that genetic testing, that's how we found out Sloan was a girl. I kind of knew in my gut that she was anyways, um, but that confirmed it for us. Uh-huh. And through the genetic testing, they said, yet again, we have another little miracle. They're like, there's no genetic abnormalities. You don't see any, you know, chromosomal defects. It could be because the nuchal fold is just slightly increased um sometimes IVF babies have a higher risk of heart abnormalities so you know she could have like a little hole in the heart you know but probably nothing to worry about they kept reassuring us that everything still looks good Mm. we'll do you know the 20 week scan and then at 24 weeks we'll do a heart echo just to confirm that you know she's still looking healthy and growing so again after that point I put it back out of my mind you know we're growing this healthy baby we're bringing it baby home and started making plans but also like speak to the week to week mindset right like okay we have one more week and then we're going to go to this test and see what these results show and like it was brutal are you working at this time I do I work from home so that part was nice um nobody at work knew what was going on I kept it very hush hush but um, it did allow me to like, you know, take breaks as needed. And I worked for a, a really understanding company that's big on work-life integration. So that was a very positive. It was hard though. Um, it was hard to put on like a happy face for mm-hmm. the other kids at home. Yeah. How were they feeling? Was, were they excited, uh, you know, about your They pregnancy? were not really excited at all because they were older, right? So they, I mean, they, they, were busy. they weren't upset, <laughs> but they were like, yeah, whatever. And then at the same time um, that all of this weight's going on, I found out my sister was pregnant, which was such a blessing because we weren't, no, we didn't know if she would be able to have children, but you know, she was kind of having this normal pregnancy Mm. experience and I was doing this like two weeks, take another test. Oh, that one's fine. Oh wait, something else is wrong. That's so lonely. Yeah. And it's so hard. Yeah. And it's like, I mean, how much you don't want to like make it about you you want her to enjoy her pregnancy but like you're silently struggling Mm -hmm. you know like the roller coaster of emotions absolutely so much that um and at the same time we were we were selling our house because we were moving to a larger house you know for the baby that was taking forever so it was truly like a test of my patience i was sure like if i can survive this up and down back and forth happy and sad we're gonna get through this and you know I'm gonna have the best rest of my pregnancy and mm-hmm. the best you know newborn experience because I've you know survived all of this mm. did you tell oh Kevin um what was his emotional state like throughout this yeah Kevin is like the most positive person on the planet Aww. so Kevin the whole time was almost to an infuriating level Um, it's it's fine she's fine we're fine you know everything's gonna work out but I you know I think in my gut I just had this nagging of but what if it's not like I've never had to go through these things before Mm -hmm. um so what if it's not okay Mm -hmm. right 
and I can remember um, years ago, I read um, Angie Smith's book, I Will Carry You, just because I'd followed her blog. And I can remember reading that book and being like, I can't imagine anybody ever going through this. How would you deal with that pain? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, then I started making connections to like, this is, this is much how she felt. I got that book again and started reading it just because I was, I needed some connection with people that had faced difficult pregnancies. I think that that was a way to do it. Yeah. And her book is phenomenal. So phenomenal. So at what point in the pregnancy would you say that, I don't want to say things shifted, but did you do the anatomy scan and find hiccups there? So we did the 20 week scan and I was, because of COVID, I had to go alone. Mm -hmm. And I remember it was taking a really long time. And with my other pregnancies, it was, you know, it was fun and very light and quick, but the technician just kept asking me like, I need you to move this way. I need you to get on your side. I need you. And so I just immediately started to get this anxiety. Like what, what is happening? And and previously the baby had Sloan had been kind of difficult to hearing ultrasounds as far as she was never in the right position. So I tried to just brush it off as that, you know, I drank cold water, moved around. And um, the technician got done and she said, is anybody here with you? And I was like, what a dumb question. You all wouldn't let me bring anybody. (laughs) Um, So no, no one is with me. And she said, well, I'm going to go get the doctor. I think you should, I think you should have your husband on FaceTime. Oh, that's not good. Which was like the most, it was just a gut punch because automatically, you know, right? Like they're not going to say that. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately my OB um, had referred me for, for, my OB doesn't do 20 week scans because she likes to do a more detailed one. So she had sent me to a maternal fetal medicine doctor which is just standard practice. But unfortunately that MFM had really poor bedside manner. So, you know, she just come in and I'm already crying, talking to my husband. I'm like, I don't know what's wrong. Um, And, you know, she comes in and it's like, um, there's a tumor in the baby's heart. Um, There's a lot of fluid around the baby's Mm. heart. Um, Frequently, this is a sign of something called um, tuberose sclerosis. Um, and, you know, we need to refer you to UK for further testing. Oh, wow. And then said, but don't Google TSC because <laughs> you'll be like, you know, it will worry you. And I was like, like, I'm not going to go home and immediately Google it, right? Right. Um, <laughs> Joke's on you. They, yeah, they think that's going to stop you. And unfortunately, that because that doctor was kind of cold and uncaring, um, it just so happened that my OB's office was closed for two weeks because of COVID because they had like a COVID outbreak in the oh office. So gosh. I couldn't even call my OB and say like, tell me what this means. What do I do? And right. Instead, I'm just back in a two week holding pattern of we'll get you into UK as fast as we can. Mm. The university of Kentucky. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, that was probably the most brutal week and a half or two weeks of my life. Um, I don't know that I stopped crying for two weeks. Um, I Googled everything. I joined TSC parent groups to learn all I could. Um, I couldn't eat. You know, I was losing Mm -hmm. weight rapidly. Mm -hmm. Uh, Finally, they did prescribe me something just to help me sleep because I wasn't sleeping. Because, you know, all you all know, all you want is for your baby to be okay. And now I'm facing this big unknown. Um, You know, they were, you know, asking asking you know lots of questions I'm like are you gonna do you want to keep carrying the pregnancy Mm. 
you know, what's your plan here? And I was like, I don't, I don't even know what's wrong yet. Like, right. I can't make decisions. So I don't want to be talking about this. I want to talk about what colors for the nursery and, you know, buying outfits, not these conversations. Right. Yes. So at that point, I really, I stopped doing anything to prepare Mm -hmm. for the baby. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I had typical girl mom. I had been buying lots of clothes and, you know, like we already had a, you know, an idea board for the nursery. So I stopped all of that Mm -hmm. and just really tried to survive day to day. Um, you know, my friends and family were really good at that point as far as, you know, trying to get me out of the house and taking me places. But I just, you know, I can remember I was off camera on every um, Zoom meeting we had for work because I would, you know, I would just be like silently crying. Mm. Right. And I could come off mute and do my work like everything was fine, but I couldn't let anybody see me because I didn't want anybody to know what we were dealing with. Right. Did you share with your family so or really just like nobody? No, I did share with my family and they were supportive again and they were in a, they were very much in a, we support whatever you need to do, you know, we'll, you know, we'll love you and the baby in heaven regardless, like, what do you all need? Um, But again, it was so hard because my sister was having a a normal pregnancy and I'm so happy for her, but um, definitely was triggering. Yeah. To know that was, you know, that at that point, I, I wasn't sure we would be bringing home a healthy baby. Right. And if we did bring home a baby, that it, it was going to be a baby that may face a lot of challenges yeah. in their life. Right. And did you already, did, remind me, was your sister ahead in her pregnancy or behind? Um, she was behind okay. by about six weeks. Okay. Um, we're going to take a quick break, Brooke, and okay. we'll be right back with more of her story. Emma's Footprints Designer Purse Bingo is taking place on Friday, May 12th at Perry Highway Host Company. Our supporters sold this event out in less than 24 hours. We're so excited to have you join us for a night filled with fun, food, friends, and supporting pregnancy and loss families alongside us. Thank you to Wegmans of Erie for being this year's presenting sponsor. Follow along on our social media as we share sneak peeks of what's to come during the event. Okay, so you were struggling with this by yourself and Kevin was it was your husband still at this point optimistic or was he starting to no feel still this? so optimistic it's okay. gonna be fine um and I think part of that was just that it was a support for me yeah of just like I know this is gonna be okay so yeah. really lucky we had moved into a new house and across the street um lived a wonderful neighbor named Holly who was <laughs> also a preacher and so I can remember calling Holly in this like two week wait and being like, I don't know what to do. I, like, I'm going to lose my mind. And, and she gave me the best advice that anybody gave me, which was um, to spend my days singing and reading Aww. and talking to Sloan so that no matter what happened, that, you know, I, I would have peace that Sloan knew how much we loved her. Aww, wow. So. That's that's what I started doing. Mm-hmm. And the song that I sang on repeat was You Are My Sunshine. Mm-hmm. And that is actually really important because it comes back later at the end of the story um, and kind of a message from Sloan to us. Mm-hmm. So how far along were you when you moved? Um, I was like 16 weeks when we moved and okay. of course 20 weeks when all of this happened. Okay. So, but perfect timing because our, our new neighbors ended up being a great support to yeah. us during this time. 
of one of our other neighbors. And this is how, like, I know life works in mysterious ways. One of our neighbors was a nurse practitioner. Wow. So she would answer all kinds of questions I had. And the other neighbor was actually a, a pediatric cardiac um, sonographer. So what? she actually does heart echoes. Oh my gosh, you were I meant to live so. there. <laughs> so I, I was that. able, like, when we first found out about the tumor, I just went to Kristen and was like, tell me what all of this is. Um, she actually helped to make sure like we got with the best doctors there. She was really great. So they, so we have our appointment at university of Kentucky, kind of the second week of November. And I can remember, um, the first appointment of the day was an echo, a heart echo for the baby. And so, um, they get done and they take us into a little room and they bring in the doctor and the social worker. And so that's when I really Mm -hmm. knew like, Mm -hmm. this is going to be bad. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the doctor said um, it's not tuberosclerosis because it's not um, a rhabdomyoma is what they call those kind of tumors in our heart. It's actually something much more rare mm. called a pericardial teratoma that is growing in our pericardial region. So that's like the sac that surrounds the heart. Oh, wow. And so very, very few cases ever in the U.S and not something that the University of Kentucky, even though it's a highly rated institute, uh, it was not even something they could help us with. They didn't have experience. Wow. So um, he then said, I, I need you to go to the University of Cincinnati. Oh my goodness. Um, to, they have a whole fetal care team and you know, I want them to see this and discuss it and, and we'll help you here as far as like if you need monitoring, but they need to make the plan. Mm. So back to waiting again. Yeah. Um, so we're right before Thanksgiving at that point. And um, I can remember getting the call from Cincinnati and they're like, we want to see you next week. Can you come the Wednesday before Thanksgiving? I was like, absolutely. So we had a full day of appointments there. I, I think a lot of people don't understand how exhausting that type of comprehensive mm-hmm. care can be, although I was thankful for it. I want to say we had 10 or 12 appointments that wow, day bro. that ranged from like me having an MRI so that they could see Sloan's heart in more detail to, you know, more scans and it just, it was an overwhelming amount. And at the end of the day, you know, we sat around a table with all of these leading specialists in the world and and they said they had only ever dealt um, with, I believe it was two cases of this in their hospital. And there had only been a handful in the U.S. So they were coming in a bit blind. Um, they did give us hope at that appointment, though. I can remember at the end, because they also had their, like, neonatal care team who were talking to us about what care would look like when Sloan arrived. And I can just remember asking, I said, I just need you to tell me if I should still have hope or not. Oh. Like that's what I need to know. And they said, you know, we always think it's good to have hope. You can carry hope with you. Wow. And so were you, so did they want you to deliver at the university of Cincinnati then? They did. Okay. So the plan was that I would definitely have to deliver there. And we were, at, we were just going to have to let Sloan call the shots. So, um, originally when we started, um, Sloan was not as sick as she became. So when we started, the plan was to get Sloan to around 28 weeks, and then we would do a a surgery where they would partially deliver Sloan. They would, um, so I would have a C-section. They would partially deliver her. They would actually perform open-heart surgery on her. What? Remove the tumor, put her back together, put her back in the womb to finish growing. What? 
<laughs> yes. So that is what the hope I was holding on to. Oh my gosh, I have never heard of such a thing. My mouth I is did on the not floor. know that was my mouth even. Is on the <laughs> I didn't yeah. know that was ever a possibility. Yes, a terrifying possibility. And there was a baby that th- there was one baby I think this had been successful with. <gasps> Um, somewhere in like the northern part of the country oh my god so but I started I am like I'm a former educator so I'm really into research so I started researching though and really started finding like the few times that this had happened in the U.S. how grim the outcomes were Mm. so definitely started preparing myself for that so the plan was that we would start coming to Cincinnati twice a week for monitoring and to keep an eye on Sloan so to do that, actually, I had to go to two hospitals. So I went to Cincinnati Children's Hospital to monitor Sloan. And then I would also go to the Good Samaritan Hospital in Cincinnati, where they had an extensive maternal fetal medicine program to monitor me. Um, we went back the week after Thanksgiving. We still had that little bit of hope in our heart. And um, Sloan had started to develop high drops, which I don't, I, I don't know if you all know what that is. I've heard of it. Basically, you know, fluid was mm-hmm. beginning to build up in areas of... Um, Sloan's body because her heart was so sick the pressure on her heart was you know creating it was harder to pump and so it was becoming Mm. an issue so Mm. we um we did a procedure at Good Samaritan that Monday they used an amniocentesis needle and actually put it through me through Sloan's chest and drained some of the fluid from her heart holy cow and it was, I, I'll just never forget it. I, um, our doctor was really religious. And I can remember she prayed over baby Sloan. And Sloan just like moved to the perfect position for her to get some fluid out. Oh my and then um, Sloan moved back and was just done. And she was like, okay, that's all the fluid we can take wow. for the day. We're not doing that. We go back the next day for that week after that um, procedure. They said, we need you just to stay in Cincinnati for the week. We mm. need to see you every day. So um, it, that actually worked out well with COVID because my kids were had um, virtual school. So they were able to stay with my mom without, you yeah. know, that being a huge ordeal of getting them back and forth to school. So that worked out. And the next day, the fluid had already returned. And they said, okay, we think we need to put a shunt in. So the plan was the next day on Wednesday, we were going to place a shunt in her heart. So same kind of procedure, except this time I would have an epidural. I would be awake on the operating table. They would go in with some like high powered equipment and they would put a shunt in that would drain the fluid continuously from Sloan's heart as hopes to relieve some of the pressure. So um, we did that and it, it was terrifying because they make you make lots of decisions ahead of time on, you know, at that point Sloan was 24 weeks. So just barely a viability of that, you know, that we had to sign papers and make decisions on what, mm-hmm. what life change, what life-saving things Measures, we would be willing yeah. to do, those types of things, which was just, you know, th- those are conversations that parents should ever have. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, same thing. Sloan rode into the perfect position. They got the shunt in. One of the big concerns with the shunt is they worry um, babies will play with them and pull them out. Really? So Sloan actually moved so that they could put the shunt in under her armpit. And they were like, this is perfect. She won't be able to reach it. So we go back the next day for a check. You know, I, I, the epidural wears off. We go back to the hotel. The next day we go back for a check. The shunt has worked. She looks better, but she's already pulled it out. Oh. 
somehow she reached it and did it. Sloan. And yes. So at that point they decided that probably wasn't going to work. Let's just continue with monitoring. So we made it about a solid three weeks of going twice a week and seeing Sloan was growing sicker, but not, not to an extreme level. Like it was still manageable. And that was still until December 21st. And um, on December 21st, they, um, we had our every week, every, well, twice a week, she had a heart echo where we would monitor our heart function. And, and the surgeons became worried that Sloan was becoming sick enough that, you know, her heart could stop at any minute. Mm. And so our big fetal care doctor, he calls us in and uh, he said, I need you to decide now if you want to go ahead with this surgery, if you want to possibly deliver her us do the open heart surgery and then place her back in the womb and so we started talking about it and he said you know it would give sloan less than a 50 percent chance of living but a chance but there was also a chance that i would survive wow that surgery because it's you know obviously it's very complicated to deliver a baby and then place them back in the womb i would have to be in the hospital full time for the next three months on magnesium if you all have ever been on a magnesium drip you know that's not Mm-hmm. But, and they they weren't sure that Sloan could even survive the surgery or partial delivery. So um, we went back and forth. Um, and then, I, you know, it was four days before Christmas. And I have these two other kids at home. And they said, if we're going to do the surgery, we need to do it in the next two days. And, um, you know, they left the room. And my husband and I talked and talked about it. And I just... And I always will feel guilty about this, but I just couldn't risk not ever coming home to my other two kids. Yeah. So we had to make the really hard decision that day that, you know, we wanted Sloan to live and we were going to do everything in our power, but that the outcomes of the surgery were not positive. Um, They were not promising enough to do it at that time. Right. You know, I, I said like, let's like give me a week let me get through Christmas with the kids and you know if we still think it's a good idea next week we'll do it so we get through Christmas um the appointment the next week she still looks okay they weren't gung-ho about surgery that week so we go back um and our life kind of changed on December 31st which is our anniversary Mm -hmm. and we had an appointment And um, at that point, I had started developing something called mirror syndrome, which is from the baby being so sick, it started to make me sick. Mm. So um, I was, you know, 27, 28 weeks pregnant at that time, 28, I guess, but was the size of a woman who had been pregnant 50 weeks because I was carrying so much amniotic fluid. Oh, my goodness. So, like, I couldn't move. I couldn't. And so when we, um, the doctor, the maternal fetal medicine doctor that day noticed that my breathing was beginning to be affected wow. by the size. So um, they were going to do a procedure where they drained some of that amniotic fluid from me. So they took us back to kind of the OR to do that. And Sloan's heart began to develop an arrhythmia. And so they they decided we couldn't do the procedure right then. They were they were just trying to get Sloan out of arrhythmia, try to get her heart rate level. And they brought in the you know the neonatologist and they brought in the palliative care team and said, oh. you know what, what do you want us to do? You know, do you want us to try to save her? You know, if we need to deliver her right now, do you want us to try to save her? And uh, you know, we said yes. We want we want as much time with her as we can. And right about that time, her heart her heart rate leveled off again. Hmm. So um, they said, okay, 
we're not going to do this today, but you need to now be admitted full time. Like we can't let you go home. So we spent our anniversary in the hospital and um, for the next few days, just tried to make the best of it because we knew we were going to be here long term. Um, on, we had, we knew some decisions finally had to be made and the, the cardiologists weren't even sure that their equipment was small enough to remove the tumor from Sloan. So we were scheduled on January 5th to have another MRI so that they could start to build some models to, to basically prep for this surgery because they were going to practice on whatever they were able to develop. Um, so that was supposed to be the fifth. And I, I can remember on the fourth, I made a Facebook post asking everybody for prayers that, uh, because one of the concerns was that her heart was so large that it had compressed Sloan's lungs and they hadn't had a chance to develop fully. Wow. So the concern was, even if we can do the heart, are, are her lungs large enough to support her life? So right. I made a Facebook post asking for prayers. And um, that night my health started taking a turn mm-hmm. for the worse. Um, as far as my blood pressures were off and my like urine output started to be down and we started to be concerned about what meter syndrome was doing to our body. Mm. And they came in to do monitoring on Sloan that night and they couldn't pick her up on the monitor, oh, which wow. happened a lot because I had so much fluid. Mm-hmm. So they, you know, I'm like, okay, you need to go get the doctor and have him bring the ultrasound machine. And we do this all the time. <laughs> so if the doctor wasn't available, they bring in an intern and they can't find Sloan's heartbeat. Mm. And I still didn't believe it. I was like, you need to get the doctor. You just don't know what you're doing. Right. And, um, you know, I'll never forget the doctor coming in. And um, he also could not find Sloan's heartbeat. And, you know, he said he was so sorry. And I'll never, for, like, the sound that resonates with me there is, like, the scream that I let oh. out of my body. Wow. You know, I, yeah. I hear about that from people, right? I've mm-hmm. heard about, like, the death scream uh, mm-hmm. yeah. from nurses and such. But, it, you know, it, it truly was just a gut-wrenching so um you know she was gone and we discussed you know if I was going to be induced or we decided I would do a c-section because um Sloan was enlarged because of the fluid and honestly I just needed it to be over like you know I was yeah I was heartbroken so um luckily he called my doctor and um she was like I have to come in and deliver this baby so she came in and um I had a c-section in the middle of the night Mm-hmm. because I wanted it to be over. But um, the beautiful part of that story is, if you remember, I told you I sang You Are My Sunshine to Sloan. Yeah. And so the, um, when the operating do- room doors opened, you know, they were playing music in there. And here comes the sun was playing Aww. when they, you know, rolled me back, Aww. which I will always believe is Sloan's gift yes. to us yes. to say that she was okay wow when is sloan's so, birthday that what did you say sorry when, when is sloan's birthday um sloan was born january 5th um 2021 so um she um would have had her second birthday this january What a roller coaster. Our, the story does have a happy ending, though, and I want your listeners to know that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a happy-ish ending. A sad and happy ending. Um, Beauty from the ashes. So Sloan um, was an IVF baby, mm-hmm. and so we had um, nine other embryos. 
he spent the first five days of life together in a petri dish splitting mm-hmm. and growing mm-hmm. and so on the way home from the hospital you know holding some bashes I, you know i said to my husband i said I, we're gonna do this again and we're gonna have a little girl and we're gonna name her lennon um in honor of sloan sending us the sunshine Aww. and so we did that um so um we started we in june of last year um or june of 2021 we put in one of sloan's embryo siblings and um uh, her sister lennon joined us in Aww. march of last year she just turned one and she is just a ray of sunshine Aww. wow Brooke. I've never heard of such a story. Yeah. It is. It was a wild ride for sure. I wouldn't believe it if I didn't live it. Just the, you know, the rarity of it, the traveling, these, you know, right. we're going to partially deliver her and do a do this open test. heart and put her yeah. back in. Like, what? What? <laughs> what? Yeah. Yeah. It was a lot to take in. It, I, it was, it was the most, it was a journey that taught me well, I say Sloan's whole journey taught me so much about the balance of life mm. and like the yin and yang, the hope and sadness, yeah. you know, love and loss and grief and gratitude, happiness and longing, like all of those things that live in balance because it yeah. was the perfect story of that. Mm, yeah. Wow. So did you, um, is Sloan cremated or buried? We had Sloan cremated. Um, and she, um, we actually worked with a, a monastery in Iowa that um, oh, wow. actually gives beautiful handcrafted urns um, to babies that um, pass away. And then they plant a tree in their honor. So um, she um, spends her days on our, on our mantle, um, you know, watching over us mm-hmm. and uh, to keep her a part of the family. I struggled a lot when we first brought her home with yeah. Um, like many people, because I, I didn't, every time I walked by her, I had a breakdown. Yeah. And so then I would kind of like put her away, you know, mm-hmm. and then I would feel bad. I was like, no, she's part of the family. So <laughs> we went back and forth a lot with like where I'm going to be, but she's in a perfect spot now. And we also planted a tree in our backyard in her memory that um, brings us so much joy um, just to, you know, some nights my husband and I just sit out there and, you know, it's where we remember her. Mm-hmm. What did you do for her birthday this year? Um, so her birthday's hard because it's in the coldest, you know, mm. month ever in January. So um, we try to, we remember her birthday in a couple ways, you know, always. Um, it's the time I go through our box with all of her things. Mm. And then we also just, uh, we encourage our friends and family and we do ourselves just to do, you know, random acts of kindness. Mm-hmm in honor of Sloan because she was, you know, such a light. And how'd you hear about Emma's footprints? So I heard about Emma's footprints a couple ways. Um, first I heard about them because as part of my pregnancy journey, I reached out to be not afraid the hmm. organization because mm-hmm. I'd actually read about them in Angie Smith's book. And I just remembered that yeah. and was like, you know, and they were a great help. Um, to me, there wasn't a lot they could do in our situation, you know, like they're able to do in other situations mm-hmm. because it was so unique. But just having folks I could reach out to that had walked the road was so helpful. Yep. 
and then I heard about Emma's footprints following Sloan's death because I think like many women when I was drowning in this grief I was so I, one I was desperate to know that other people had walked this road and lived mm-hmm. yeah. because I, there were days I didn't know if I would yeah and I also needed to hear people's voices that sounded like they had some joy in them still because I, in those first days, I could not imagine laughing again. Mm. I couldn't imagine smiling. I thought I'm, I'm going to live in this house in darkness the rest of my life. Like there will never be another joyous moment. So hearing from people that were, that were still sad, that they still carried, you know, this burden with them, but were able to like live life and honor their children and recognize their children while still finding joy in everyday life mm-hmm. was something I needed. And um, I found out listening to stories on, you know, the Grieving Mother podcast and, it, you know, through Emma's Footprints that I kind of was able to connect with folks that I didn't have in my life to connect with. Yeah. So huge gratitude to you all for uh-huh. doing that because I think it, I think the stories Although the stories mean a lot to those that share them, I think those out there listening that are just looking for any sort of connection that says you're going to survive this right. is so helpful. Yeah, I forget. I, I don't forget, but I forget how powerful this is. Mm-hmm. And how it's so. It definitely is. Yeah, mind boggling. It gave that. me hope on many, many bad days. Yeah. And although I cry right along with them all sharing yep. their stories yep. because yeah. it's fresh and hard, it. Um, you just you just need a reminder that yeah people can do hard things and you can too yeah and it's hard to explain to somebody when we chat with them and you know maybe they haven't had a loss but somebody in their life has and so they say well I don't want to bring up their loss because I don't want to upset them mm-hmm. and I'm like well <laughs> you're you're not gonna I don't I don't forget that Emma died you right. know you're not right. reminding me like oh my gosh I totally forgot like yeah. right. break into this emotional exactly. mess mm-hmm. like, and my, the advice I give everyone is that like I want people to ask about swallowing yeah. you know I think the greatest fear for many grieving mothers myself included is that their babies will be forgotten yeah yep. and so I love you know when anybody asks about Sloan because that means she I'm not the only one that remembers right right yeah and even though we're crying we're crying because we miss our babies not right. because you reminded exactly. us you know and so right. mm-hmm. don't be scared of that listeners mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly yes ask. say the baby's name that's yeah, what right. I always say yes. like speak their name yeah. because it matters it's such a gift to lost parents yeah it like takes our breath away yeah I will never you know Emma will be 16 this year I will never be tired of people saying her name yeah never. exactly yeah I don't she was to... here and she mattered yeah. and that's what's important yeah you yeah. don't reach this threshold of okay well now i'm good and yeah right mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly still my little girl that will never change wow sloan is a warrior yeah she is yes mighty warrior man so brooke um we got to meet you somehow. Yeah. We got, we got walks <laughs> coming up this year. We got, yeah. <laughs> how far are you from? Where can we meet in the middle? Like Fort Thomas, Kentucky? Yes. <laughs> Fort Thomas is about an hour from okay, here. Okay, great. <laughs> yeah. Um, our co-founder lives there. And so. Oh, amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
I might have to. You hugged somebody else from the I podcast. I did. Yep. That didn't live far from her either no, when you yeah. went to visit her. Yeah. I met her at the Fort Thomas coffee shop. Yep. There you go. <laughs> that's amazing. I love it. So that's going to happen. Yep. Is um, what your oldest is 15 now? Is yes. It? Okay. No, they can't drive you. I was going to say, have them drive you. <laughs> and they are the best. So for those kids that were not excited when yeah. you know, we first had out, we were playing it with Slaughter than Lennon. Like, that's what I mean by Lennon being a ray of sunshine. Like, you know, they're obsessed with her. Aww. I mean, she just is. There's never been a day that yeah. she has not loved living life so far. And I know that that is partly slow. Yeah. Wow. So special. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for reaching out and being brave, and thank you for sharing Sloan with us. That is quite a journey. Yeah, to say it lightly. Thank you all for having me and for doing this work, because I know it's not easy for you either, but it's important, and um, I think there are lots of grieving mothers that are grateful for it. Yeah, thanks. Well, thank you for listening, everybody, and um, stay tuned next week for another episode of Confessions of a Grieving Mother. 